G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We live in the digital age of information technology, and yet Pastor Greg Laurie is concerned about how it's affecting us. We're more connected than we've ever been in human history, and at the same time, we're more disconnected. So we need to put the phones down and talk together and pray together and work together because we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the family of God. We're all part of the church. This is the day when the lost are found. Kingswood. Now, do you remember that TV ad? Was the family unified in harmonious agreement? Did they act as a team? And are we today? Pastor Greg Laurie addresses this on A New Beginning. He's taking a look at a fine example of teamwork recounted in the Bible, in the book of Nehemiah. It was a great task to be done. They faced opposition, but they dedicated their great efforts to a great God. You know, we were just a bunch of crazy kids when this church started. We really had no idea what we were doing. But we loved the Lord and we wanted to see what God would do. We were in the middle of what was the last great American spiritual awakening called the Jesus Movement. It was around 1972. One of the epicenters of this movement was down in Costa Mesa at Calvary Chapel with Pastor Chuck Smith. So some folks in Riverside over at All Saints Episcopal Church went down to Calvary and said, could you send up someone up here to preach? And We want to have some Jesus movement in the Inland Empire. And so a group of pastors at church there went and I was just hanging around the office sort of an intern, which means that you work but you don't get paid, okay? So I just hung around and I would take whatever they didn't want to do. So after a while, no, nobody else wanted to drive to Riverside. And they said, Greg, why don't you do it? And I did it. And I kept at it. And it began to grow. And pretty soon I could see this little Bible study of young people was turning into a church. And I hardly felt qualified to be a pastor of a church. I became a Christian when I was 17. I started preaching when I was 19 and I started pastoring effectively at 20 or 21. And so I'm thinking there's no way I can be the pastor. I look for someone else to take this role. No one would. And so I just accepted the fact this was what the Lord had for me. And we outgrew that church. We moved over to a Baptist church that is now our Sunday school uh, building. Uh, And we outgrew that building, put in a balcony. And then there was this big, giant, decomposed granite pit where you guys at Harvest Riverside are sitting in right now. And we took the biggest step of faith ever. We built a building. And back then it cost us $1 million. 
Now, $1 million is a lot of money. But back then, it was really a lot of money. Like, a lot. And we took this huge step of faith way outside of our comfort zone. And I remember people said, this isn't gonna work. It's not gonna succeed. And as we put those walls up, there was opposition. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Because we're talking about building walls in the book of Nehemiah. And so here's the takeaway truth from it. Don't listen to your critics. Listen to God. And do what the Lord leads you to do. Here in the book of Nehemiah, we'll learn a little bit about that in the message today. How to do what God has called us to do. Because when you put up walls, you're gonna face opposition. When Nehemiah went about the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, he faced severe opposition. So here now is Nehemiah getting his battle plan together. We see three vital principles in play here. If you're taking notes, here they are. Investigation, cooperation, and determination. Investigation, first he checked out the problem. Okay, here's how big the city is. Here's what it's gonna take. Here's how many people I'm gonna need to get the job done. Okay, I've investigated it. Now, cooperation. Let's put the team together. Let's get the right people in the right places and tell them what their job is. Finally, determination. We're not gonna be deterred. Defeat is not an option. And that brings me to my next point. We need to find our place in the work that God is doing. Let's read a few verses, Nehemiah 3. This is a little bit like the credits at the end of the film. You know, unless you were in the film, you don't care. But they're rolling, and these matter to God, and they should matter to us. Verse 1, then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priest started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. Two people from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hanessa. And then they laid the beam, set up its doors, installed its bolts and bars, and Miramoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside them were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshachazabel, and Zadok of Bana. The phrase next to him and after him are mentioned 28 times in the chapter. What does that mean? They worked together. The same is true of the church. If we want to get something done, we do it together. One person put it this way, quote, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. Working together is success, end quote. You'll see this phrase used over and over, next to him, after him. Everyone had a role to play. In short, they were communicating. You know, it's a funny thing with all this technology we have today. We're more connected than we've ever been in human history, and at the same time, we're more disconnected than any other time as well. I read the other day that millennials would rather text someone than talk to them. I'd rather text you. I don't want to look at you in the face. Just text you. Emoji, 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 right? And so sometimes we, we don't talk to each other at all. In fact, this has created a lot of stress in our culture. 
I read that this generation, alive today, is the most stressed out generation in American history. College students have the anxiety level of psychiatric patients in World War II. Okay? So we need to put the phones down and talk together and pray together and work together because we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the family of God. We're all part of the church. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. Thanks for joining us. Today, he's speaking about the gifts that God gives us and how they help us to function together as members of one body, the body of Christ. Let's continue. It's a message called Wall Builders. Not everyone worked on the walls of Jerusalem with Nehemiah. Look at Nehemiah 3.5. Next to them were the Tekoites who made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. So the Tekoites did the job, but their nobles, uh, those in authority over them, didn't do it. Some people want to share in the victory, but not in the battle. Now 3,000 years later, we know who did the work and who did not. But there'll always be slackers. There's two kinds of people that come to church. There are participators and spectators. I wonder which one you are today. Let me identify them. Participators come and engage in worship. They listen carefully to the message. They give in the offering. They serve faithfully. They find and use their spiritual gifts. Spectators, they come expecting everyone to wait on them. Uh, sometimes they come late. Sometimes they leave early. Uh, you say, well, how do I know which one I am? If you have been irritated by what I've said for the last eight minutes, you're a spectator. <laughs> if what I've just said bothered you, got under your skin a little bit, you're a spectator. If you've been challenged by it and can add an amen to it, you're a participator. You decide if you're a servant or a slacker. So we have to find our place and get in there and do the job God has called us to do because we are one of those two. Here's another way to put it. Are you a wall builder or a wall breaker? Are you a faith maker or are you a faith breaker? See, either you're building the wall up or you're neglecting your part of the wall. Either you're serving the Lord and walking with the Lord or you aren't. And it comes down to us as individuals as a part of the church. Now, in contrast to those guys who were slackers, here's a guy who really did his job well. Look at Nehemiah 3.20. Next to him, Baruch the son of Zabbai zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib the high priest. Zealously. He didn't just do his work, he did it zealously. That could be translated to burn or to glow. He did it with passion. So which one are you? Are you like Baruch? Are you like one of the nobles? Do you serve or do you expect to be served? Are you a servant or are you a slacker? All right, let's pull the camera back now from the story of walls being rebuilt and look at a bigger picture. Because we're talking about Nehemiah who lived in the lap of luxury, who had a maid in the shade, dream job, who walked away from all of that influence and luxury and comfort to go and work hard and suffer with his people to get the job done. But before he did that, 
He saw the situation in Jerusalem and he wept over it. Who does that remind us of? Jesus, who was in the glory of heaven at the Father's right hand, left heaven and came to this earth and was born as a helpless little baby in a manger in Bethlehem and there he walked in our shoes and he lived our life and he breathed our air and knew what it was like to face the challenges of humanity. But then he went to the cross and died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And what did Jesus do before he died outside of the walls of Jerusalem? He wept for Jerusalem, just like Nehemiah. He wept and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks. That's interesting. Normally in scripture, God is presented in a male form, a father in heaven. But in this particular instance, he uses a maternal term. I would gather you together as a hen, a mother hen gathers her chicks. Now you all know how much a mother loves her children. And if you try to come between a mom and her children, that may be your last day on this earth, right? Because of that protective nature of a mom, that maternal instinct. And God is saying, that's how I feel towards you. I'm like a hen wanting to gather her chicks, but you wouldn't listen to me. But he went through with it. He died for our sins on the cross. Despite the jeering crowd, despite the mockery and the opposition, he died there because he knew there was no other way we could be made right with God. And the same Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead is with us here right now. And he wants to come into your life. You're saying, well, I don't know, Greg, this I my first time at church and I don't even know what you're talking about, all this stuff about being in the body of Christ and gifts and giving and worship. Yeah, you know what? This is called a family. You walked in on a family discussion. You ever do that when you're a kid, go over to your friend's house, whole family's around the table, we're having a family discussion. I'm out of here. No, but listen to this. This is a flawed family, often a dysfunctional family, but this is God's forever family and it's the best family going and God wants you in the family. You say, but Greg, there's weird people in the church. I know that. Did it ever occur to you that you're one of the weird people in the church? I know I am. But we like to put the fun in dysfunctional, okay? so. Here's what it comes down to. The only way you can become part of the family of God is by becoming a son or a daughter of God. How does that happen? The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. How do you come into the family? Jesus said you must be born again. Just as you were born physically, you must then be born spiritually by asking Christ to come into your life. And then you're in the family a full-fledged family member in good standing because of Jesus. But you must ask him to forgive you and ask him to come into your life. And that can happen for you right now. Uh, if you've joined us today, you're watching, you're listening to this, and you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, you don't have the assurance that you'll go to heaven when you die, but you want this relationship with God, you want that second chance in life, you want to become part of God's family, I'm gonna pray right now and I'm gonna extend an invitation for any of you that wanna put your faith in Christ. Let's all bow our heads and everybody praying, please. Father, I pray now for all of those that are here 
Help them to see their need for you. Help them to come to you. Help them to believe in you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince them of their need for Jesus now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie, closing with an important word of prayer. And if you'd like to make a change today in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg would love to help you to do that right now. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now, and by that I mean if you would like your sin forgiven and have the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin, Lord, and I turn from it now, and I put my faith in you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer in a minute, I want you to know on the authority of God's Word that Jesus Christ has just come to take residence in your heart. The Bible says, These things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you've just prayed that prayer, we would love to help you by sending something called our New Believers Growth Packet. It'll help you to get started living as a Christian. We'll be glad to send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll help answer some of the questions you might have and build a solid foundation for your faith. So just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on 1-800-00-5011. Well, on Monday, Pastor Greg helps us to see how Nehemiah dealt with the opposition that he faced as his team of wall builders did their task. We'll gain some practical insight on dealing with our own detractors as we endeavour to serve the Lord. That's next time, right here on A New Beginning. Now for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Wall Builders. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.